This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and supporting listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter today. Ha-cha! Yes? Ho, ho, ha, ha! Remember me, old chum? Jolly devil. Oh, good. That would be nice. Welcome to THN Cover to Cover for Saturday, June 27th. Kitties, my name is Matt Baum. And I'm the Internet's Joe Patrick. Here's how it works. Every Saturday morning at 1030 Central Time, Matt and I go live on our Facebook page to rap about the week's nerd news. And then we open the phone lines at 11 for you nerds to play along. You can call us at 402-819-4894. You can click our Facebook Call Now button because numbers can be hard for some people. I get that. Or you can just chat with us in the Facebook Live chat if you want to get in on the action. Now, if you can't be here live, you can leave us a message at any time at that same phone number. Or you can send an MP3 to TwoHeadedNerd at gmail.com. And this can be about anything. A reaction to the news. Maybe you just want a video game. Maybe you want to talk about your kick-ass miniature golf game. I don't care. Send it to us. We might not play it if it sucks, but send it to us. <laughs> uh, this also applies, like, if you're trying to get in and can't because yeah. the phone lines are too busy, leave, it leave a, a voicemail and we will get to it. Absolutely. Later on at about 11.45 or so, we shut down the, vo- the uh, live phones and we go to the voicemails and we go to uh, the mp3s so that's where you kids can play too now before we open these damn phone lines joey we need to give these nerds something to talk about it's time for nerd nerd news uh well matt the comics industry continued to uh bear its whole ass uh to the world this week once again in the wake of the allegations against Warren Ellis and Cameron Stewart, uh, two of the most widely known predators in the industry, Scott Alley, Dark Horse editor, and Comic Book Legal Defense Fund director Charles Brownstein were both uh, not necessarily outed uh, for their behavior because everybody already knew about it. Right. They've been outed uh, years they, ago. I mean, this is not yes, new. Uh, they just finally are now facing some consequences for those actions. The industry is fired up. Uh, and I feel like this is a conversation that we could probably dominate the nerd news with every week for the foreseeable future. Unfortunately, uh, <laughs> if you guys want to talk about that when we open the phone lines, that's fine. But for now, we want to celebrate the life of a true industry hero, comic book artist Joe Sinnott, who died this week at the age of 93. Uh, this was reported in a Facebook post on his official page. Uh, his family didn't disclose the cause of death, but I mean, come on, dude was 93. Yeah. Hopefully he just went to bed and didn't wake up. You're 93. I get yeah. it. Yep, exactly. Sinnott got his start inking comic strips and Western stories for Dell, uh, but it was he was best known for his work at Marvel, primarily as Jack Kirby's inker on Fantastic Four. The two shared that legendary run together. According to his family, Joe passed away peacefully. And he drew all the way up to the end. And like, what more can we say about it? But rest in peace, sir. What a legacy he left behind. Huge uh, outpouring he, of support this week of, from creators all over the place. And people just like, here is all my kick-ass Joe Sinnott stuff. Like sketches, inked works, yeah. stuff he worked on. That dude touched every corner of the Marvel Universe while he worked there. 
he was widely regarded not only as one of the greatest inkers of all time, but as one of the nicest comic book pros to have ever lived. Like nobody had a bad word to say about meeting him. And in fact, I read I, the, the stories came in two flavors. One, I got to work with Joe Sinnott and it was one of the best experiences of my career or two. I really wish I'd had the chance to work with Joe Sinnott. Yeah. Uh, and you like, I don't, I don't know the last time I ever read about a creator that beloved. Yeah. Like even famous jerks came out and they were like, yeah, I'm going to miss this guy. He was great. You know, and I'm not going to name yeah, famous like, jerks, but their initials are John Byrne. Sure. Like, I'm sure like, you know, nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna talk shit about Jack Kirby. I'm sure, right. you know, Denny O'Neill was, was celebrated last week, but I mean, every single thing I read was just like, God bless Joe Sinnott for what he did. Totally. Let's talk some Joe Sinnott memories later on. Definitely. I would, uh, man, huge loss. The guy was a legend. We're going to talk about this one later on as well from the Warhammer 40k desk. Warhammer is coming to Marvel long running army building tabletop game. Warhammer 40,000 is coming to Marvel comics with a new title focusing on one of the most well-known space Marines from the Warhammer mythos. Marnus Kalgar. The title launching in October will be written by noted tabletop gamer and Warhammer 40k nerd. I'm replacing fan with nerd because dude is a nerd. Kieran Gillen with art from Jason Burroughs. I cannot tell you how excited I am for this. The Warhammer 40,000 world is, it's a world that has been in my life since I was probably... 13, I think I was first introduced to it. I, somebody gave me a rogue trader magazine a million years ago. And this is back. It's very British. So games workshop had it, you know, in the UK and it sort of leaked over to the States and hobby shops and comic shops started carrying the miniatures and shit like that. And they were so cool that I just, I fell in love with them. Here is a little synopsis of the story. We're getting Warhammer 40,000 Marnus Caliger. Calgar, I guess, will serve as a character's never-before-told origin story from his beginnings on the world of Nova Thulium, his campaigns in the Black Crusades, to the unfolding mystery of the Black Altar as a deadly threat from his past reemerges to threaten the present of the Ultramar system. This stuff is so wow, what? perfect. <laughs> it's so perfect for a guy like Kieran Gillen. The Warhammer 40k world is this bleak, dark, awful future where even the good guys are the worst people in the universe <laughs> it's so dark and awful it there's it's so it's so like horrifying that games workshop put together bands that they thought best fit their soundtrack and they were all grindcore bands it was like bolt thrower was one of them <laughs> Jeez. terrifying shit i can't wait for this i am a little shocked i mean i know warhammer's popular but I didn't know they were popular enough to like grab Marvel attention. That's pretty huge. Well, I mean, there are games workshop. There are dedicated games workshop stores. Yeah, we have two around in the country. Omaha. Like we have their two. whole mandate is to sell Warhammer. That's what they do. Like there's one in Omaha even. We have two of them. It, yeah, it's it, I like that's like saying. Yeah, this store only sells Magic the Gathering. Yeah. It's like Spatula. It's the Spatula City of game shops. <laughs> it is. It's Spatula City. Every I'll, I'll drive by that Games Workshop like place over on 120th real slow sometimes. And I kind of look in the window and I'm like, mm, 
and then I hit the gas and drive away. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not doing this. (laughs) (laughs) There's an adorable story here about how much Kieran Gillen loves Warhammer. We're not going to read it. You can find it. But he basically, he said, if there was one thing to get me to come back to Marvel, it's this. Yeah. Uh, Like he just loves it so much and it's so cute. And Jason, Um, I don't know shit about Warhammer, but I knew that you would be excited about it. It's such a fantastic universe. There's so many stories to be told here. Jason Burroughs is an excellent artist and he's perfect to draw like the big bulky space Marine armor and shit. I cannot wait for this. So I think a lot of people are going to read this and be like, my God, this is a slog. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be punishment. <laughs> I don't think you understand. <laughs> Sounds fun. I can't I, wait. Oh. I don't. I mean, all right. I'll, look, I'll read the comic. Oh. I just, I've never, I have never had any personal experience with Warhammer. Um, I like people talk about when when I hear stuff like about miniature painting and like, I remember going into um, which one was it? Dragon. It was Lair? Dragon's Lair. Yeah. Uh, Dragon's Lair's West Omaha location. That tiny little store they had. Oh yeah. The back issue bins would be covered with topographical maps. Yep. And I was like, what the fuck? And these gentlemen, <laughs> all are- I want to do, all I want to do is shop for uh, major bummer issues. These guys are engaged. Like the doors open at 10. They are already there and set up and they would play until midnight. I mean, these games were long, really yeah. long protracted war games. God, I love this universe so much. And I can't wait. I can't wait. This, this is the sort of thing that like my dad would encounter when he would take me to the comic shop on those rare occasions and then be like, Nope, yeah, we're not coming back here. There, and there are, they've done some <laughs> Warhammer comics before this. They're not great. Some of them are touch and go. I will say some of the books, Dan Abnett wrote several Warhammer books and they are fantastic reads, really well-written stuff. And, well, he, and then this creative team is pretty baller. Kieran Gillen. Yeah. He's a big name. I'd say just give him the universe. Let him have the Warhammer like universe in Marvel. Control it. Bring in your buddies, Kieran, and let's get it all. Please tell me any story and you want. He, I'm down. I, and I think that the plan is for this to be the start of something larger. Oh, yeah. O- almost like an imprint. Uh, kind of like Star Wars and Conan have been. And I just, you know what? I really hope it's as good as you deserve it to be, buddy. Ugh, I, it's. If it's bad, I'm going to be upset. But it's the comics have been so bad for so long, it'll be like, well, well what can you do? <laughs> From the Blossom desk, DC is teaming with Blossom herself, real-life PhD Mayim Bialik on Flash Facts, a new quote-unquote lighthearted middle-grade graphic novel anthology that demonstrates STEM principles through DC superheroes. STEM, for you lay people, means science, technology, engineering, and math. The title drops in February 2021, and it's going to retail for 10 bucks. It answers questions like, have you ever wondered what's at the bottom of the sea? Why does polar ice melt? Oh, boy. We're getting into this liberal garbage. Great. (laughs) Which tools do forensic scientists use to solve a crime? Here's the, uh, the official description from DC. Everyone's favorite Scarlet Speedster is here to answer all your burning questions. Barry Allen, with the help of some of his close friends, will take readers on an exciting journey that examines everything from the vast expanse of our galaxy to the smallest living organism known to exist. Super fun. This is geared. Yeah, this, this is super uh, it's fun. geared towards that kind of school age, eight to 12. Uh, the collection of stories is curated by Bialik. 
and aligns with next generation science standards. I don't know what that is, but I assume it's some sort of organization. Much better than the last generation science standards, which. Yes, right. Exactly. Everybody knows rocks don't taste good. Like, thank you. That'll be it for science today. Okay. (laughs) Uh, The characters featured will be like the heavy hitters, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Cyborg, Beast Boy. And more written and drawn by popular writers and artists in that middle grade and comics publishing area. Uh, Cecil Castellucci, Karina Bechko, Charlie Fish, Amanda Dybart, Vita Ayala, Derek Charm. And of course, the list goes on. It's great. Uh, this is fun t- stuff for kids. I would have killed for something like this yeah, as a kid. Totally. I would have paid attention to the science more as a kid if, you know, the Flash was telling me. Or like, today, Wolverine's going to talk about black holes. And I'd be like, oh, cool. <laughs> Well, and I think that the Flash is the perfect character for this because he's a scientist. And a nerd. Uh, And, you know, the whole Flash facts thing is like a throwback to the Silver Age uh, Flash comics of that of that era. Yeah. And I think that like like because he would use that in his comic to explain a little science tidbit. Flash fact. And so this is just a really fun idea. It's a really neat looking package. I think it's pretty awesome that Mayim Bialik, who is a legit PhD scientist. Right. She's cool. Is involved in this now they're, and okay. putting her name on it. There's some people that tried to smear her as an anti-vaxxer a while ago. That is not the case. She came out and clarified and it's like, oh my God, I am not anti-vaccination. All my kids yeah. are vaccinated. So and, let's just drop know, that. Gonna, okay. <laughs> we're not going to, we're not going to hold her years long association with the big bang theory against her. I will. That show's terrible. Look, the girl's got to eat. What was the name of her brother on Blossom? Joey. Uh, Blossom. I yeah, don't know. Joey. Joey McIntyre. Yeah, uh, Joey Lawrence. Blossom. I mean. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> he was great. <laughs> I'm Batman. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. All right, let's get to the big story of the week. God damn it. From the further muddying the DCEU waters desk. <laughs> After 30 years, Michael Keaton is in talks to return to the role of Batman. I was going to say Mr. Mom. I was going to say Mr. Mom. Batman. To appear alongside Ezra Miller in Warner Brothers' upcoming movie, The Flash, which is not called Flashpoint, but it may be The Flash colon Flashpoint. We don't know. Keaton is in talks in very early stages. It's far from a sure thing. Can go either way, yada, yada, yada. The plot here is going to undoubtedly focus on the DC multiverse. We're talking about Flashpoint, probably. Now, they've already revealed that Matt Reeves' upcoming Batman will not be affected by this. Robert Pattinson, separate Batman in a totally separate Bat universe that does not touch any of the movies that came out of the Justice League. That we know of yet. Until such time that it does touch the movies that came out of the Justice League. (laughs) Until such time that Henry Cavill comes back as Superman and they kill each other. We've all been watching the CW shows where DC has gone full on multiverse. They don't care. And we have different actors playing different versions of different characters all over the place. Crisis on Infinite Earths was a huge hit. Joe Patrick and some other nerds dug it. It was a little much for me, but you know, whatever. They're ignoring everything that followed Batman Returns. Which yes. includes Batman and Robin. <laughs> well, it also includes the Dark Knight Rises yeah, and like, the Dark Knight. And no, Batman I know, begins. I know. But they're like, like basically saying, screw you, Val Kilmer. And screw you, uh, George Clooney. Thank you, George Clooney. <laughs> Your shit doesn't count. <laughs> We're going straight from Batman and, Returns. And a, res- and a respectful screwing to Joel Schumacher, RIP. He yes. also passed away this week. <laughs> respectful screwing. So let's just 
let's just talk about this for a second. Let's map it out. We have right. Robert Pattinson, Batman, right? Uh-huh. We have yeah. Michael Keaton, old Batman in yeah. whatever Bat future. And we will also have Snyder versus Batman. Look, I'm not counting Ben Affleck's Batman as a third Batman because that Batman already happened. Now, let's just say the Snyderverse cut comes out. HBO breaks it into a 15-hour, you know, series or whatever, and it lasts six months, and we all watch it, and it's a huge hit. You tell me they don't try to bring him back for more. I don't think Affleck is interested in coming back for I more. I hope that he is not. But we effectively, when they re-release, it's going to be released. It's going to be like a new thing for a lot of people. And it's going to look like we have three different Batman in three different completely disconnected movies. Now, this Flash yep. comes out of that Justice League movie. So right? it is connected one way or another. This is, is this a problem for anyone but me? I think this sounds no. like the dumbest idea in the world. Okay, listen, we just got done talking about the DC multiverse. I know. I'm well aware. So why is it such a stretch for you to accept that they're just going to move the multiverse into their movies? Look, if you want to. So look, look, listen, Crisis on Infinite Earths confirmed at the end that all of DCWB's various film, television and streaming projects were all part of the same multiverse. I totally agree with that. At the very end, the Barry Allen played on the CW by Grant Gustin met. Ezra Miller's Barry Allen. Like he shows up for 10 seconds. I totally agree with your statement. Now, the problem is in the movie universe, that has not been established. And unless they're going to do that in this Flashpoint thing. Except they did establish it by having Ezra Miller show up. Like that's the movie Flash. There he is. Okay, fine. We know that's connected to that. Fine, whatever. The other stuff, it's not going to be connected to Pattinson whatsoever. That's not. It's not connected to the Joker whatsoever. We know that completely separate and that joker we don't, is also we don't completely really know separate anything. from this batman this is nuts we don't really know anything and we've already we've already talked at length about how it seems like dc is interested in just telling separate stories they're going to do their joker movie people some people are going to like it some people are going to think it's pretentious crap they're going to do their the Batman movie and it's not going to have anything to do with anything. And that's fine. It's just a movie about Batman. That bum you out They're going to put though? out a wonder woman sequel and it'll be tied to the, to whatever happened before in wonder woman. Doesn't that bum Who you cares? out a little bit? I mean, like I'm not saying I will, I'm just going to come out and say it. I wish they would have done it the Marvel way and just connected this shit and done. And yeah, said, but Here's we, our wished that they, we wished that they had done it the Marvel way when they first announced justice league. Like that's not a new concern. No, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, it's and if the way DC want if the if the way DC wants to choose to loosely tie all this stuff together is by saying multiverse baby I am fine with that because I love the multiverse I am with Eric White in the chat where he is saying we get it that it's all in the same multiverse but it's too confusing it's too muddled especially coming off the MCU and Star Wars universes that are so huge and connected I totally agree with him I think it's an excuse to not do the work I think it's too late for them to do the work i don't i think they did it wrong and they could do it again anytime they want to they're too lazy and they're making money so they can go screw it fart it out the fans will yell about it on the internet and guys like joe patrick will connect it all and be like i'm fine with it <laughs> i like you're doing the work for him joe you're doing the work okay <laughs> oh, that's fine look i've been doing the work for dc comics my whole life like t- with respect to eric like i understand like i don't think that the idea of 
a bunch of DC versions existing in a in a varied multiverse is any more or less confusing to the layperson as Spider-Man lives in the same universe as Iron Man? Now wait a minute. Like I've actually had that conversation with people. I so I like it just breaks their brain. I that live, these characters all coexist and, I, and they're pissed that they got to watch 20 movies for it to make any sense. Okay. Like, I live with no this woman to me. that I married and I treat her like a lab rat sometimes. And I'll just like read something like this and I get concerned that maybe the general public might not get it. And I walk out and I go, Hey sweetie, what if I were to tell you there were three different Batman and three different movies, two of which are connected. One is not like, does that sound screwy at all? And she looks at me and she goes, that's dumb. <laughs> like, there I, you go. <laughs> I just, I really don't think it's any dumber than anything else that any comic book world has ever done. I, I, I just, I, I really don't. I'm sorry. I think it like, is lazy. We put up, we put up with multiple timelines in our Star Trek. Like this is not a stretch to me for any fan of this kind of genre material. But even Star we've Trek got, is doing the we've work. We've got 27,000 different versions of movie Dracula and nobody bats an eye about That's it. That's totally different. Dracula, give me but, a break. Everybody no, knows I mean, it's, but it's really not. It's really <laughs> not that different. different because no one is saying that all those Draculas are connected in a giant multiverse of Dracula. Look, we don't know if DC is going to come out and say like, yep, these movies are all tied together just in separate worlds. Like, I mean, they probably will. That's what Flashpoint's all about. But fair enough. And we want to talk I, like, to you guys about this. I want to hear about this. I want your opinions. Please call me. Talk about talk to me about this. Tell me that I'm wrong. Please, I want to be wrong. I want to enjoy this. I want to sit down. And when uh, it chapter two director Andreas Muschietti is that how you say his name? Muschietti. Um, Andreas Muschietti. Okay, Andreas Muschietti is going to direct this. Andre, Mach- movie. Andre Machetti. And it's from the latest draft of the script is from the Birds of Prey writer Christina Hodson. That doesn't fill me with joy, but we'll see. Okay. Uh, many people <laughs> loved that movie, and you are just a sucky fan. It also tanked. So, you know, whatever. It didn't really tank. <laughs> it no. did. It didn't make near as much money, and they canceled the next two movies they were going to make. But that's no, another discussion. That's false. <laughs> that is your nerd news for the week. We need to know what you nerds think, too. It is almost time to open up the phone lines. Before we do, Joe Patrick, reset the question of the week. This week's question was submitted by John Tverdick via Twitter. What's your favorite comic or comic-related property that addresses civil rights through the lens of a comic book world? We're talking about things like Marvel's, uh, HBO's Watchmen, etc., etc. All right, let's get into it. The phone lines are open. You've got your news. You've got your question. Call us, 402-819-4894. We need to talk about this garbage, please. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover. Caller, who this? JD got a catch. Good morning, JD. How are you today, sir? I'm good. So let's wrap. What do we want to talk about? Uh, answer of the week. I posted a teaser to my answer on, on the Facebooks earlier this week. I saw that. Uh, yeah. So the question is, comics that uh, handle civil rights and race relations and things like that. And I, uh, the first thing that immediately jumped to my mind was black, sad Arctic nation. Yeah. And Oof. I think that, that, that panel that I posted is probably one of my favorite panels ever in comics period. So tell the kids about is, black, sad real quick, set it up for them what it is. Okay. So, so black, sad is a Spanish or French comic, Spanish, Spanish comic, Spanish. Yeah. 
Spanish comic uh, graphic album uh, published by Dark Horse, or at least brought to the States by Dark Horse. It's the creators, I always have to remember their names. Uh, Juan Diaz Canales is a writer, and yeah, and, Juan and, and Juan Juanito Juan, is the is the artist. French publisher, yeah, so, is way, so that's where you're yeah, getting the French, French, pu- French publisher. Go. But uh, and uh, 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 Gar, uh, Garnino, uh, I uh, when I was doing research when I first discovered Black Sad, uh, I believe he worked for Disney Europe for a while. Oh as an animator it shows which yeah it shows a lot in the in in the in the artwork because uh it's a world of anthropomorphic animals and kind of in the vein of almost uh mouse or i would even say mouse guard yeah um they use they use the different animal uh creatures or races uh to kind of handle social issues you know, the, the different classes of between, you know, the dogs and the cats and the lizards and the, the ferrets and things. And, and so just like John Zootopia Black Sad is a, what said, <laughs> just like Zootopia. Yeah. Just like Zootopia, <laughs> which is a better movie than it has any right to be. It really was. Zootopia turned out to be great. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> did, did, are you, are they really <laughs> teaching me this lesson in this goddamn movie? <laughs> no, it was great. <laughs> But but for the kids at home that don't know, uh, John Blacksad is a private detective. He is a uh, a black and white tomcat, uh, and he is depicted in the classic noir detective sense. I mean, he yeah. is as gritty as gritty gets when it comes to being a detective. These these are these stories are not for kids. No, um, not at I all. I mean, almost bordering on Omaha the Cat Dancer level. <laughs> yeah. There's some, in there's certain, some nudie in bits. Certain instances. Uh, you can't have noir detectives without sexy dames and, you know, and, and curves and stuff like that. Cats but, with boobs. Uh, as as race- <laughs> just yeah. Like, all right. Like it gets to, yeah, it gets, it starts going into that like fuzzy furry place for me a little bit. I'm like, just, yep, it does. the story is bit. good. So I'm just going to deal with it and, and put those weird feelings <laughs> in the file cabinet where they belong and just shove them down. I think you need to speak to a therapist about this. Like, <laughs> weird aversion it's gross it's gross like it's not something that most people that aren't a fan of it spend any time thinking about (laughs) whatever yeah whatever but so the the story arctic nation i liked a lot because it does take this idea of taking um uh you know fur colors essentially you know arctic animals like arctic foxes polar bears yeah you know things like that and 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 using that and the difference between darker animals like like uh vultures and black cats and uh you know and deer and ungulates that are brown furred and brown you know quote unquote brown skin and using it to really do this not very veiled at all allegory to race relations I totally mean, straight up and that the, the panel I, I i showed which was kind of interesting was they're in a he's in a diner meeting with a with a reporter and the and these Arctic nation kind of Gestapo bastards come in. There's a weasel and a fox and a, I can't tell what that other thing is. Yeah, it's like a mink or <laughs> something. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. They're in there harassing everyone. And, and they said, you know, uh, you know, you didn't read the sign, no colored people allowed. And, and uh, the, the weasel goes over to black Sad and he says, what about you? Can't you read either? And he goes, and he points at the white on his chin. He says, isn't this here enough? 
<laughs> and, and then there's, and then it just turns into a fight, which is pretty fun. <laughs> it's a really cool idea because they could, it, whenever, a lot of times when you read anthropomorphic comics like this, they're like, oh, well, the rabbits run everything and everybody else is like second society or, you know, the dogs yeah. are in charge. And this is like, boils it down to like, no, here's how dumb your racial issues are. Here's how yeah, fucking yeah. stupid your ideas of race really are. These darker animals, they're not equal to the nice, pretty white animals over here. You know, like mm -hmm. it really boils it down well. It's a fantastic. Well, movie. yeah, and especially because there is no species link. I mean, there's nothing. I mean, it is right. literally just color of fur. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And it's like animals that would eat each other are cool with you yeah. <laughs> because we're all white. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> Which volume was this, Jeff? volume one. Oh, okay uh, i remember yeah, second, i remember reading story, it I, I remember reading those pretty quickly uh and i was just so taken by the story and the art that at first like when it got to that section in the book i was like oh shit he's supposed to be black <laughs> you know like, yeah. I, like i just i didn't my head didn't connect the two like i understand mm -hmm. his name is black sad he's got black fur but my head didn't immediately connect it to um mm -hmm it didn't link it to skin color uh, and, right. and race. And, and like, I was just so surprised and it added another layer of depth to a story that I was already really loving. Well, and they also show like the inequity of like black sad, the neighborhoods that he work in are, are they're yeah. run down and it's all brown animals and black animals and stuff. And then the white mm -hmm. animals live in like really nice areas of town and shit. And the police well, and are on their side. And yeah, and there's even a great scene where he kind of clashes with the other side because there's there's a, a counter group to the to the Arctic Nation, which is the, the Black Claws, and they're kind of a Black Panther uh, analog, but they're like you know black stallions and a and a, yeah. and a black water buffalo and stuff like that. And there's this really great scene when he meets up with them, and this black stallion looks at him and says, "What's wrong with your?" He goes, "What what happened to your snout, brother?" And it says nothing. In fact, how about your brain? And there's a, they kind of stare off, and then the the stallion pulls out a pulls like up his glove, and he's got black paint on it. And you see his fingers start reaching towards Black Sad's face, and Black Sad just says, "You give me so much as a freckle, and I'll end you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a wonderful like, book. It wow. really is. That's a great call. I hadn't even thought about Black Sad in that sense, but it's totally there. Man, that's a great yeah. call. I mean, it, it it's just such a great book. And I just, uh, you know, I go back to it every once in a while. I, I, I joke that it's the, it's one of the few comics that my wife allows me to display on the first floor. <laughs> as long as she doesn't open it up and see the cat boobs, right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> JD, thank you for your call, man. We got some other people trying to get in here. It's always good to talk to you, buddy. All right. Talk to you guys later. See you, buddy. I, I have it on good authority that our friend James Kaplan is trying to get through. Yeah, I can see him trying. There, oh, I think we got him. Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover Caller. Who this? It's James Kaplan. How are you? Hey, nice to talk to you in person, James. Yes, yes, I'm excited. You, you guys are very competitive. It's tough to get in. So, <laughs> People love us. What can we say? So what's going on? Yes, what do you yes, want to wrap I, about? I love it. A uh, few things, too. I actually had uh, sort of quick answers for both last week and this week's uh, question of the week. Um, I kind of meant to call last week and just didn't. Um, so for myself, it's funny. I've never actually commissioned any art before because I get sort of 
like nervous or self-conscious, I'm like, I don't have any particularly interesting ideas to ask an artist to do. You know what I mean? I'm like, I don't know, like just Spider-Man, Spider-Manning, like, you know, or I, I don't know. So it's not, and I, I found for, for, for myself, like, it's not, I realized like, I don't so much want like, oh, like, you know, do, you know, like specifically what I want, like what I found when I actually really enjoy owning and I've been fortunate enough to be able to, to get some is, is like the actual sequential pages from comics that I love. So like, that's actually the thing I enjoy more is like looking up in the wall and being like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, that's a page of mind management that I own, you know, which like, I don't know. So I really, and that I found, I really, I really love. Fair enough. That's an excellent, you know, by the way. Yes. Oh yeah, no. I mean, one of my favorite comics. I mean, I have to say, and one of the favorite pages I I, I own now is um, uh, there were only a few issues of this comic. I hope it comes back eventually. Um, called Leviathan, uh, written by John Layman, I think, Leviathan. art by Nick Patara, who's who's a great artist. And um, I I followed Nick on pa- Patreon, and he had a thing. He's like, well, send me a headshot, and I'll tr- you know if you get your headshot in quickly, like you know um. I'll put you into the comic. And so like I did that right away. And so I'm actually like, it's me in the comic, which is, which is really cool. Oh my God. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love, I know I love it. And it's, you know, I felt like, Oh my God, nope. Nobody has more incentive in the world to buy this comic than me. Except I think there's one guy that like, somebody like there's a little note on the on the page that says alex next to like a guy who's sitting next to me and i'm like you know what screw you alex i'm buying this page like you're not getting this page so so i do remember leviathan there was like a giant uh red monster thing on the cover yeah yeah Yeah. it was fun and and like i just i there's it's you know me scowling like just sitting at a table of like military people or something and i'm like i don't know so i enjoy i'm like oh yeah look it's me you know so (laughs) that is um, so cool yeah, yeah, no, I was I was very fortunate and I had good timing like like I got the email and I think like I I saw the email one morning and then I was like had just parked the car for work in the parking garage and I just like I just took headshots of myself just like sitting in my car and I'm like all right, let me just send these in. And let, <laughs> let me let me see if I if I can make it. Um the other thing and I I haven't had a chance to listen if you guys have been talking about this already about the question about civil rights um with regards to a comic property and I mean, I'm sure like this is the answer probably most people are going to give, but like the Watchmen TV show was just, it's hard to overstate like how powerful of a TV show that was. Yeah, um, definitely. With, with regards to like, I was like, I mean, you know, like I thought it would be cool. I was like, I was like, well, it looks interesting. But then like, as I kept hearing about it, I was like, I, I did not know this was going to be all about race. Like, yeah. and like, and not just like, they really, really went there in like, in like an incredible way. And I just like, like the episode, um, you know, where like she, she, the main character spends all this time reliving the life of another character. I don't want to, I don't know well, what spoiler for a spoilery, show that's, but like, that finished two years ago. I mean, come on, <laughs> we can talk about, you know, it. Fair, fair enough. Fair it's enough, not right? that old, like, it just came relived- out earlier this year, didn't it? No, it was last year last year right but anyway like just it's in in, it's really it's it's just incredible and um you know it's also like i mean you know i'm obviously lots of people have noticed this but about the show but i mean it's just so prescient like it's like okay so you got racist cops you got white supremacists you got um you know everybody walking around in masks i was just like yeah i was like did the watching people cause covid did they create covid like did they just (laughs) or did they know like you know sorry not i 
I don't mean to make light. I, I, I'm just, I was just like, how, wow, this is really precious. James, so, let me ask you, do you think yeah. that same amount that like the theme of race was as present in the original comic as it is in this show? Cause I feel like it was there, but it, no, I, I feel like they not took it and really ran with it in the show. I mean, I feel like the original, I mean, isn't, I mean, like, I'm sure that I know there was stuff about race and there was racism and like colonialism, like with regards to stuff in Vietnam and that kind of thing. But it was much more, I thought that the original, I mean, is a much more like about the Cold War paranoia and, you know, fear of, you know, nuclear, you know, thermonuclear war, that kind of thing, as opposed to like, I mean, and obviously there's race, you know, there's plenty, I mean, there's stuff with the psychiatrist and like, it just, I just didn't think in, not really in the same way. Yeah. Um, I think it um, set up this story though, very well to like show not only is all this going on with the paranoia of the government and all this shit, that is what enables something like this world to come out in this way. So racially divided and so terrified. Like this was just a catalyst that led to this story that they're going to tell. And man, yeah. it, while maybe it wasn't yeah, there. No it worked perfectly to frame that next story. Yeah, no, I think it really did. And I think that like the creators get, and I, at some point I think I was listening to a podcast that was actually sort of like the official podcast. And, um, David, Damon Lindelof was, was on there and he was talking about Watchmen and he said, like, he felt like the best way to sort of honor Watchmen was not what was to sort of honor like the spirit of Watchmen, which is like, just be creative, just go out there and try to tell like, a great story and an interesting story and a timely story rather yeah. than just sort of, you know, just recreating the original Watchmen is not really a tribute to Watchmen, which not, I mean, and I will say like, I actually enjoy the movie. Like I think the movie gets I uh, too. like, I, I think that I enjoy aspects of the movie. I think that like, I feel like they sort of maybe missed some, like some of the allegory and metaphorical stuff kind of went over their head, but like just from a hard to, hard to capture like, that in a, in a two hour movie. Yeah. Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And I will say like my credit to him, like, though I frankly think he kind of got worse as a visual stylist, if nothing else, like, like it's an amazing looking movie. Like it's really like, Oh, it's, it's beautiful. a cool looking movie. Yeah. There's yeah. scenes and, that will get like, give me goosebumps every time I see that film. Definitely. Like I will, right. I will, I will admit that at the time I thought that the ending of the Watchmen movie made way more sense than the ending of Watchmen, the comic book. Totally. Like I, you, you know, you, I actually, why wouldn't, why wouldn't Ozymandias, frame the threat that was already there right Doc, like in dr manhattan like why concoct this nonsense about an alien when you already have a god walking the earth but i mean i guess uh, wasn't yeah. alan moore trying to like take a real shot at like comic book storytelling and like superhero storytelling whereas this movie was more focusing on the actual government paranoia and yeah and i mean that could be God but then man, I, I, like, you know? I also have to admit that when the watchman show came out and they were and they were following it up from the comic with the squid and the tiny little squids falling from the sky i was like you know what the squid was pretty cool <laughs> it was it was i like both <laughs> definitely it, it was right and like oh my god like the so much and and what I of course loved about the Watchmen TV show was that it wasn't to be clear like race was the overriding dominant theme of the show, but there's also just all this incredibly other weird shit that's happening. You're like like I like there was squid storms that you had to watch out for. Right. And there was I, I still have no idea what the point of 
what was that guy? Lube man, like the guy who went like through the Lube um, man, yeah, the sewer. Uh, I was like, I felt I have no idea what the hell the point of that guy was, but 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 you know, maybe I just missed you had it to or, you had um, to read you had to to read the weird conspiracy blog that oh, came okay. alongside I, the show that HBO put together, yeah, to find out that Lube Man was um was the uh uh what's her name shit. Uh, Gene Smart's character, Lori. Yes. Uh, Agent Blake's uh, Agent Blake's assistant. <laughs> oh, really? Lube Man, like okay. the guy that was so enthusiastic about superheroes. I did not know that. Yeah. I yeah. Wow. I I I was today years old when I learned that. Um, <laughs> yeah, was, yeah. And it was all it was all it was was just it was all in that weird conspiracy. Blo- it was called like PD pages or whatever. Cause it, he was. P- oh, okay. Okay. I, yeah, I never looked at that or stuff. A PD, um, PD, and PD, just, maybe it was. And, yeah. And, and there was just so much other, like just great weird stuff. Like, like, you know, when, when, when they started cutting to the stuff with, with Jeremy Irons and like, you're like, he's in a boat, he's on a lake, right. he's getting babies out of the lake. I'm like, what the hell am I watching? Like, what is this? Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it's so, it's such a wild, what a trip that was. Uh, but yeah, I really loved it. What an achievement. And, you know, we talked about this a little bit last week. Uh, a, a friend of mine, an artist uh, named Jay King, uh, he's online as Rusty Shackles. Uh you know, he said people were rightfully up in arms about the Watchmen show, uh, you know, in defense of Alan Moore and, and his creator rights and all that. But like, you can't deny the impact that it had on people, especially in terms of teaching them things that they didn't learn in school, like yeah. about Tulsa. Yeah. It's it, right, like, right. It's ridiculous it, like, that we it, had to learn that there, but it's in, also I, like, incredible that it, we did. <laughs> it was that show was really an achievement for for something that you know a lot of people argued probably shouldn't have been made. It, it really was an achievement. Absolutely, James. We got some other people that are trying to get in, so I'm going to cut you off here. Yep. But it's good to talk to you, buddy. And that's a great yep. answer. Great man. talking to you guys. Yeah, James. Thank you. Talk right. soon. 402-819-4894. I see you trying to get in and I'm letting you in. I'm sorry about James. He's just hogging the whole air. You know how he gets that guy. He's just a, he's a talker. The guy gets his face drawn into one comic book and he thinks he's the oh, shit. I'm comic book famous. God's gift. <laughs> All right. Honestly, like I've seen that. I've seen him. Uh, I've seen that picture as his avatar. Uh, for a, a while now and i swear to god i thought it was from the manhattan projects didn't not from leviathan well it's nick patara so yeah same artist yeah, same artist didn't marvel used to do something like that or like get your face in a marvel comic book you had to be like a member of the fan club or something oh maybe and you like send like and they were like deface your comics and cut this coupon thing out and mail it in with your picture <laughs> uh you know i know a lot of people that that were friends with online that have gotten their faces drawn into comics um just by having like a friendly relationship with the creator like um i'll table that okay okay thank you for calling thn cover to cover caller who this it's brian domingo good morning brian how are we today sir Hello. good what's going on guys we're kicking it we're we're just kicking it we're talking about comics and civil rights we're talking about all the news this week we're talking about multiple batman and multiple movies in multiple dc multiverses and dc not working very hard to connect them 
I don't give a shit. I want all the Batmans and all the movies. Yeah, give me you're, all of them. you're into it. You're yeah. fine with it. As, yes. Uh, yeah. As long as long as I don't, I I never in my life in my children's life and my grandchildren's lives I never ever want the um the Batman who laughs to appear one live action. I'm like, with ever. you. I don't but, need it because who fucking needs it? But I there are enough. Um, there's plenty of room for um every Batman to be everywhere. Why not? Fair enough. I mean, and that's. That's perfectly fair. Do you want it? Do you need it to be connected or do you not care? Just like, nope, I don't care. Caveman, Batman, um, Ninja, Batman, I, I, like time travel, Batman. Give it, give it all to me. I I don't, you know, like, I think like what, I think what DC does best. And I mean, they're kind of getting back to it because they, they ignored it for a good chunk of the, you know, the, the teens of this millennium um, is the legacy and also the multiverse. You know, like having different versions and different things happening, and um, you know, like the the crisis crossover on TV showed that everything's happening at the same time. Right. So who cares? And, you know, and like and and, about that, real quick, like when all of these shows started coming out, it it was bad enough when it was just on the CW, and they were like, oh, but yeah, Supergirl's in a different universe. Black Lightning's not even going to mention the fact that they that other characters exist, but not because he's black. <laughs> that's, that's not right. why. Thank you. I didn't really think that needed to be pointed out. No, I just. Um, but then the streaming shows, saying. the streaming shows started to come out, and they were all totally disconnected from one another, except for Doom Patrol and Titans. And all Crisis had to do was spend thirty seconds in the final episode, showing that like Star Girls on Earth Two, Swamp Things on Earth Twelve, Kingdom Come, Brandon Ralph, Superman is on Earth, whatever the fuck, and it was that was. All I needed them to say, the end. Yeah, nice and easy. Everything is there, and, and it just opens the door that they can they can do whatever. If they want to cross things over or have someone appear, then great. It's great. It, it, the, the door is open, and I, I like yep. that potential. I love uh, Michael Keaton as an old Batman. Um, you know, and I, I, you know, and there's a lot of young complainers online, you know, young being like in their twenties or early thirties, you know, youngins children about like, Oh, but you know, but what about, you know, Ben Affleck and he's old. And it's like, they can all be old. Who cares? They can all be old. Right. I, you know, we've got a young one coming up. We've got these other ones. Like it's, you know, we could have George Clooney, Batman, you know, Easy if, he, there. if they decide, not my costume, hopefully, but you know, like careful, Brian, there's, there's, <laughs> Well, you know, and I'll, I'll, let me say something really quick about Joel Schumacher, who passed away. Was it last week? Because, you know, time is a flat circle. Um, yeah, it was late last week, it, I think. It, I don't even remember. Yeah, it's it's funny because my, my son was asking me about, we were talking about um, the Burton Batmans, because he hasn't seen them, and because um, he's nine, but we will. Um, and he, we were talking about them, and I was like, oh, it was really important because it, it kind of shook off the, the 60s campy, you know, this bam boom thing right and then for a minute all the there, stuff dude. about well this is the thing it's like it's really funny because it's like he did these two movies it's like you know three or four years because i think it's 89 to 92 and then joel schumacher came back and they're like oh thank god batman is light again it's like what, <laughs> yeah. what? we have three we, <laughs> really it's like three it's like four years out of at that point 60 years of of of, of you know of existence for like a little grim and gritty like right it, you know, I mean, I think his his tone is, you know, Schumacher is, is an important, you know, figure as an out director and doing all those things. But like, 
they it was such a it was such like a jarring like 180 to something that only just existed for like a, a short window of time. It's, yeah. it's a very strange like perspective because it's not like, oh, we're so sick of this. It's like it barely happened. Like right, you know, right. You look and back, it's like it was also it's, a huge a success. There was nothing where they like looked and said, okay, well, we're not gonna fuck with that Burton thing again after what happened. It was a massive success. Oh, like <laughs> they 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 coined a term for it. They called it Batmania. Yeah, and like Batman merchandise was was literally everywhere you looked. And then Schumacher's like, we're not doing that. We're going back to the 60s. Let's get real wacky. Yeah, You know what this needs? More black lights. We need more black light effects in these Batman movies. It's just so strange that they- Can we throw some color in there? I know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's just so strange that they were, that they seem to be catering to an audience that only knew about Batman from the TV show. Yeah. Yeah. When the comics had already shaken off that style. Oh, years ago. Decades earlier. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah, in the 70s, yeah. And to, this is, I don't. I want to clarify, I am not anti-Keaton coming back as an older Batman. I think that's a rad idea. I love that idea. It's super fun. My problem is, I just don't feel like DC is doing the work to connect this shit. I think they're being really lazy about it. They don't I, need, I don't, like, like, I don't need DC don't need to, to build a roadmap for me. Fair enough. I would prefer that roadmap. And I think one of the things that makes the MCU so special is they did the work. And but DC those movies retro- all take place in the same world. Fine. Like, Retroactively, I don't need to DC- know explicitly how we get from the Keaton Batman to the Schumacher Batman to the Christian Bale Batman to the Pattinson. I, I don't need that roadmap. I'm I've already lived it. I'm not saying that. And I don't need it either. What I am saying is I need more than 30 seconds at the end of a TV show and some back engineering of their stories to make this all work in my head and be okay. I think it's lazy. Yeah. I, I, I we, we are in, I am a joy. I'm, I'm with you. And, and Matt, I, I know, and I wasn't going to talk about it cause I, I didn't want to, I didn't think I needed to, but the, um, you like the interconnected yes. very and you you like the black and white straight lines like why why is this here it's my favorite um, thing about comics and, you know it's my favorite yeah, thing about wrestling and, too you know continuity man well i mean i like i like i mean i like continuity i mean that's why you you know we've been reading these things for decades like we right. like the progression of things but i also realize that there is space that everything doesn't have to fit it's like on like a tv show where there's like an episode that like isn't it's a little off the wall it you know like a sitcom where it's like yeah this is a little strange like i mean they did you know you guys like community like they loved it there was a through line of the plot right but then they do these things that had nothing to do with anything but it's like and those were some of the more interesting episodes so um i picked up that uh birds of prey azarello book that came out last week um because i actually walked into a comic shop um this week for the first time and a hundred years. Um, and mostly cause I want, I wanted to get the, um, the justice league dark, uh, Ram V as the new writer. And so I picked up all his issues cause I think he's like an up and coming great writer. I've not um, read those. Do, we, more, do I need to read those? Are they good? I, I like his other stuff. Um, he is, um, he did like that graffiti's wall that came out a couple, like it's from dark horse. Um, He's got a bunch of stuff coming up, but he's the new Catwoman writer as of September. Like he's just, he's got like a, a fresh voice and he did that, these Savage uh, Shores, like that pirate book. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, so he's been around for a little bit, but he's sort of like 
really up and coming in like at DC. So um, I grabbed the, it's like four, I think he started co-writing in like issue 19 or something. So I went back and got a couple issues. Um, but so I got the, the, the birds of prey book and it is, it's black label, which I know that lack of definition bothers you a lot. I hate it. Um, I hate it. I know you, and, but, but, and Joe said last week, like, it's just, it just is like, it, it's just other stuff. Cause the story does not fit in the rebirth continuity. Exactly. It's close. Yeah. Um, and really? it's like a, a little bit of the movie stuff, but also the mo- for like the only really like the Harley bit, but that's also the suicide squad rebirth. Right. Bit which, too, which you know, I'm fine so with. like it, it kind of, it's right on the edge of, it's like DC adjacent. Yes. Um, and <clears throat> It's, it, I thought it was fine. I thought, it, you know, but, but the characters like that Huntress is, that's the Grayson Huntress totally. you know, from like the Tom King Grayson one. And, and I love that Huntress. The, she's yeah. And like the Montoya is kind of more of a traditional Montoya than we've seen since like the new 52. Like yeah. they've kind yeah, of since done her bad least, for like, like she's they d- kind of screwed her up. She was definitely but. never the question. That's for certain. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, she is. Well, I just forgot she is again, right? So it's um, you know, they're kind of um, yeah. That one is was not, but it's yeah. It's it's a weird little story that I think they just said we're not going to do an ongoing book like this, and it rather than doing a mini series, like here's a big one shot. Oh, just put it out, and it's nice and glossy and prestige format, and um, it's it's good enough. I mean, it, it's a nice little like I wouldn't want to read that for seven issues. But no. I thought yeah. it, like it's just it's a works. it's a it's a complete birds of prey story that you can read and not have to worry about like how it fits with Chuck Dixon's Birds of Prey number 53 from 2001 or whatever the hell like slapping black label on a comic is no different than putting Wonder Comics on it or Young Animal on it it's just an excuse for them to tell a variety of different stories and say look don't sweat it just read it if you want and don't worry about it and i get that and i'm fine with that I and mean, i'm fine with their like the the young you know the ya stuff they're putting out where it's like different versions of like kid versions of kids and stuff like that that is different enough that it stands out and does its thing when you put out a book like this that if you squint your eyes you're like well wait a minute this is just normal dc stuff right oh wait that character's much younger that character's acting like the character from the movie, but she's white instead of black. That character is not acting right at all. What is this? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's not different enough other than we said we dropped four F-bombs in this book. It well, was see, now that's just you being arbitrary about it. I don't, like, it's, it's not. I, I would like, argue like, what is the point? Strange Adventures is a black label book too. And I don't even hear you complaining about how it's not different enough from the mainstream DC Adam strange. Well, I have a feeling strange adventures is going to be the first black label book that they say, yep, this full on happened in regular DC in the regular DCU because everyone's acting pretty much the way they do. Other than we're going to learn a dark secret about Adam strange, by the way, issue two was some of the best Mr. Terrific writing I have ever read. Tom King's hold on that character is amazing. And I loved it. Loved it. All right. I, I want to circle I, back around to what Brian I, was I saying. Think, uh, I just, I just think the, the, um, the black label thing, because I, I would not be surprised if they did that with, with strange adventures, but yeah. I also think it allows them to tell a slightly more mature, you know, different language and thing and, you know, different, 
not, you know, it's not something that like that you'd have to worry about. Like if, if, if a 14 year old picks this up, like, Oh, like their, their, their mom might complain, right. you know, like it's, it's sort of a, it's a, a, you know, a disparate format and it's in this other area. And I, you know, I get it. Like, and, and I mean, if you think about like Swamp Thing in like the eighties, like before it moved to Vertigo, like it was, it said like mature, like it was like a, it was sort of like an older, older, older kid, yeah, young, yeah. grown up book, but it was still, you know, it still had Constantine in the DCU. I mean, Superman's like in there. Swamp Thing, in Swamp there. Like Thing had. Swamp Thing had Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover issues written by Alan Moore. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like it's, it, they've just they've always done this, and I I the, like the, the Justice League. You know, the Justice League International shows up in like the fourth or fifth issue of Sandman. Yeah, that's also true. I mean, and then years later, long after Sandman had ended and moved to Vertigo, Daniel, the new Sandman, shows up in Grant Morrison's JLA. Yeah. So, like, what are you worried about? <laughs> it's not that I'm worried about. And even yeah, the, it's, like it's the, a, the, the a, borders the have final... the boundaries have always been muddy. I, I I don't disagree with that. I feel like. Maybe that is the thing that has always led me to enjoy Marvel comics more than DC. That could be it. Well, that, that's because you're a coward. <laughs> I just, I need those boundaries. I need it. Brian, it's good to talk to you, man. I'm going to open the phone lines up so some other people can get in. That was a fantastic discussion. Good, Thank you, buddy. Have a good day, guys. You too, Brian. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I guess like, the thing you, that you talk about, you talk about this, like, you de- like you have no concept of the multiverse, and I know damn well that you do. It's not that I don't have a concept of the multiverse. That, like the I idea, get like worried. That, the idea that the D- that the WB has to quote unquote do the work—that's nonsense to me. They need to do the work. Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover. Caller, who this? Hey guys, it's Frank. Hey Hello. Frankie, how we doing? Hey, Frankie. Hey, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh. Staying, I'm, I'm at home. I'm at home. That's what I'm doing. Now, Frank, so, I don't want to uh, get alarmed yeah. here or anything, but it sounds like there's no children losing their mind in the background. Is everything okay? Oh, yeah. They're watching Wonder Park right now. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> yeah. They're heavily sedated. <laughs> you have five minutes hev- yourself. Exactly. Like, exactly. I thought you were going to say, like, oh, I sold them. Yeah, I couldn't uh, take it anymore, uh, so I sold them. <laughs> uh, uh, maybe someday, but no. Uh, what do right you want to rap they're, about? They're too cute. Other they're than cute. child care, um, what do you want to rap about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so last week I got the question totally wrong because I don't read, I, I didn't read it right because I'm dyslexic. But anyway, uh, I said, so last week, I want to answer real quick. Uh, I got a piece. I haven't reached out to any artists, but I did have a piece from Jimmy Palmiotti done in about 1983 when That's I went awesome. to a creation convention. And I'm like, and I'm rifling through some stuff one, like a couple of years ago. And I'm going, oh, shit, it's that Jimmy Palmiotti. Isn't he like the assistant head of Marvel Comics now? <laughs> yeah. And we forget that, like, that guy was an artist. Yeah. He yeah, was an yeah. inker. Like, Primarily, he was Joe Casada's inking Yeah. Partner. But it's been so long yeah. since. I, but yeah, he was the he was in he was co co editor or whatever you want to call it of the Marvel Knights imprint with Casada when that came out. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy, you know. But uh, so that was last week. But this week, my my uh, my choice is I got to go. You know, old school here. Um, X Men, whom gods destroy. Ooh. Graphic novel. 
you know, it was just, I mean, I just remember getting that and the, the art what was it Brett Blevins did the art for that. I was like blown away by the art and the story was just like a, like, holy moly, you know, that, that whole, the whole undertone of, of the X-Men has always been racism and it's always been, well, they're the other, so they're bad. Right. Look at them. They have, they have, you know, power over you. But then like the, the whole, that whole bit in the beginning when, when the, that reverend is, she's like points at Nightcrawler and goes, look at him. He's the devil. So you're talking you about know? God oh, loves I mean, man kills. God loves yes, man it, kills. Yeah. It. Drawn by oh, Brent I'm, Anderson, yeah, artist I, of Astro City. A, yeah. Um, Whom gods yeah, destroy was, is a Star Trek episode. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I, 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 I now remember that. I'm like, listen, it's like, these are all, all of my, I'm, dude, guys, I'm 52 years old. All of my childhood. <laughs> hey man, we get it. My we entire childhood is like one big kind of like, you know, it's like someone took like a hand and just smeared across. Right, right, right. You know, all the paint of my memory. <laughs> like that, that time where Wonder Woman married Hulk Hogan and Wolverine broke up the way, yes. you know? <laughs> like, yeah, that was yeah. crazy shit. Man. That was crazy nuts, shit. man. <laughs> <laughs> at WrestleMania? Really? Whoa. <laughs> at, believe it or not. Believe it or not. You know? But yeah, that that's like that I think is is one of the very early, you know, like my earliest memories of like this is a socially conscious book about civil rights. That book came out in nineteen eighty two. Eighty two? Yeah. Crazy. Yes. And well, like, that and was my that was one of my answers as well. And like go I remember yeah. I read that at way too young of an age to really <laughs> absorb what, like it was still a good X-Men story and the art was great. And I was oh, like, yeah. this is cool as hell, but I didn't get oh, yeah. the overriding message until much later in life when like someone literally pointed it out to me, I think. And they were like, Oh yeah. I mean, I, I knew the X-Men obviously were, you know, stand-ins for whether they were, you know, the gay populace or black people or whatever. They were always, right. you know, the, minority that was punished for being special or different or whatever. I just, yeah. it washed right over me as a kid. And then I went back and read it and was like, holy shit, this one has it all. It's got it all yeah. right there. Super white reverend that is on like a holy mission to defend white, good white people from the mutants and everything. Turns out his kid is a mutant. Turns out he's a closeted mutant, you know, like, oh my God, <laughs> it's, it's all there, man. <laughs> like, oh, it's great. It's fantastic. Oh. It's fantastic. And then I, in the I movie, they made him so a, uh, a soldier instead of a, <laughs> instead of a reverend. Well, um, yeah. In X-Men too. Yeah. Mm, oh, right. Right. And wow. then they, so I mean, oh, it was it was like it was less. I mean, if I'm recalling, it was less about skin color. It was more like you know, mutants are demonic. Oh no no no! Yeah, definitely subhuman. Right. right. Which was not. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what the KKK used to say about black people. So sure, sure, yeah. not far from that at all, man. Mm. And like yeah. it, the whole thing, like chat, uh, security guard, like tries to shoot. You know, Shadow Cat, which is kind of ridiculous because she can phase, and Stryker gets shot and everything. Like it was all very real world. And yeah, nineteen eighty-two, oh, yeah. well, man. That's that's what I loved about their graphic novels. Their graphic novels were just—they were not pulling any punches with those. Yeah, you know, and that. So it was it was a real like someone really like had okay, let's tackle this right now. Let's really tackle this racism thing with the X-Men. Let's really tackle this homophobia thing with the X-Men. Yeah. Because that's really what the X-Men was invented to do back in 68 or 67. Um, I can't, I can't remember because I'm not, because I'm 
old, but not that old. Well, I mean, like <laughs> I would argue the '60s X-Men. Yes, it was there, yeah. but like everybody was white, and it wasn't until like giant size X-Men where they said, mm-hmm. "Okay, this is going to be the first real multiracial <laughs> team, full-on multiracial heroes from all over the world." They're and they're all go on this team, and we're gonna make them the coolest team in you know the Marvel universe because of their differences oh, yeah. and because they're also and this was what when was giant size x-men number one what 1975 oh, that, 75 marvel 75. did this holy moly it's insane yep. and Ow. what's even more insane is we're still dealing with this racial bullshit today <laughs> like how are we not over this I- the X-Men figured it I, out I, in been, 1975. I mean, come on. <laughs> I, I've been saying this. I can't even tell you. I've been saying this for years. It's like, how are we still this backwards? Yeah. It's like, we, we are go, we are literally moving backwards as a culture. Yeah. Like right now. And it's like, like we're anti-science, we're anti-education, we're, you know, it's like homophobic, super homophobic, yeah. super racist. I'm like, how is this possible? How is it possible that we've gotten to the year 2020 when Let's be honest. We should have fucking flying cars and jetpacks right now. Totally, totally. Here's exactly how. And and there was a post that my cousin Chris found and put up, and it was this. It was a fan. I don't even know who it was. It may have been a writer, but he was talking to Comicsgate basically, and he just pointed out, like point by point, you know, in the original. Captain America books, Captain America fought Nazis. The X-Men were, sta- were originally stand-in for the gay population and then later became stand-ins for any population that has felt racial right. tensions and just went down the list, character after character. Wow. Superman is an alien that walks among us and tries to be the best of us. And, you know, point by point and everything that they bitch about today, you know, female characters, empowered female characters, racism all of this. And he said, you are wrong and you have been wrong since day one. Go back and look at Action Comics number fucking one and it's right there. Yep. <laughs> there is no question. <laughs> like, but you, you right. have to look at it and actively like move your lens color in front of it. Be like, nope, that's yeah. what I see. Well, you, you, know what, you know what blew me away when somebody said to me, well, you know, Superman is the Moses story. Totally. And I'm like, I'm like, what? Holy moly, get out of here. And then I looked at it and I'm like, they're right. Yeah. The they're baby right. that floated down That's the river amazing. and, they, and yeah, the okay. Egyptians find it and take it in. They don't want this baby to die. So they, you know, take care of it. And yeah. It's all right there. Am- amazing. Amazing. You know, it's just, and it's, it's amazing to think how forward thinking a lot of these comic creators were and are. And, you know, I'm just, I, I'm, I, and then, you know, obviously to what you guys were talking about last week, it's amazing how many, I was blown away by what you guys were talking about last week about the, the, the I don't even want to get into it, but you know, the, um, was it Warren Ellis and one other creator were just, I'm like, get out of Cameron this Stewart. Ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Right. I, I just was like, I, I'm, I'm disgusted by, by hearing about that stuff. I'm a, I'm a teacher. I teach children and it's like, these are children. Yeah. And the more you hang out with children, you realize they're children. It doesn't matter what they look like. Yeah. It doesn't matter how they act. They're children and should be, and you need to respect the fact that they're children and try to bring them into adulthood in the best way you can. Absolutely. Not the worst way you can. Not to mention that I you are creators that. on books 
where like Karen Stewart was drawing Batgirl, which is an incredible run at the time. It was a great book. Yeah. And he's a great artist. And he was writing. He was co-writing. Pardon me. Co-writing. A super <clears throat> crazy, empowered, smart woman. You know, like this. So you're putting out the right message. Warren Ellis writes amazing, yeah. empowered heroines and doesn't yeah. over-sexualize characters and shit. You're putting out the right message. But in the background, you're leading a completely different bullshit life. Yeah. That's what sucks oh. so bad. It's one thing yep. if you're just like a Milo Yiannopoulos jackass who wants to be like, fuck you, women are the weaker sex. Fine. You know what? I can respect that because I know where you stand, asshole. And I appreciate yeah. you getting it out there so we can point and say you're a terrible person. It's the other people that hide behind this shit and use their power. They're putting out this message. We're all in it together. We should all be empowered. We should all do it, right? And uh, send me yep. a picture of your boobs. You know, like, what the fuck? <laughs> Come on, man. You know? Yeah, fuck. It's, it's just, it's disgusting. It is disgusting. You know? like, don't use... Don't use your position to, to do that to people, you and know? Make no mistake. Um, I do not respect my old Yiannopoulos. I just, yeah. <laughs> like, I appreciate <laughs> well, when the Nazis too late. have you a- You said it. <laughs> you said it out loud. I appreciate the guy that has a swastika tattooed on his face because I know exactly Ugh. what that guy stands for. Yeah, right. It's the guy right. that's right. wearing the suit, the good looking dude that's trying to sell his shit quietly, you know, yeah. and get people on board. Be like, well, I didn't even realize I was a racist. This just seems cool, you know? <laughs> like, that's the insidious yeah. shit. That scares me, you know? Ugh. So, so two, two things before I, I go, uh, or maybe three, um, I, I like what you guys are talking about. I'm interested to see what happens with Michael Keaton. I understand Matt, where you're saying you don't need a roadmap drawn from point A to point B. Just give us good movies and we'll be happy. Right. That's you know? right. Um, and I agree the, with that. The other thing is, yeah. The other thing is, you know, I, I, um, short boxes are long boxes. I'm a short box. Short. Man. Long boxes. They're I'm, too- I'm, I'm, I'm Structurally, yeah, they're a bad I'm, I'm idea. Going, they fall apart. It's too much way. weight. Yeah, and they're yeah. impossible to move. Yeah, they're yeah. They're, oh, they yeah. are I'm, such I'm, a hassle I'm, to move. I'm about to order about 40 long boxes so I can transfer over. And you know, last thing, I uh, just want to you know, just I don't know. I know I don't. I just tuned in recently, so I don't know if you guys mentioned it, but you know, let's recognize you know the the passing of a legend, Joe Sinna. You know, he just as you guys yeah. know, I live. Yeah. In his, yeah. I live in his hometown. So I found out literally standing in Target buying my daughter a bathing suit. Okay. And I'm like, and I open my phone to look at, look at something. I get, a, I get an alert and I go, and I'm like, uh, audibly go, no, like I gasp. <laughs> and like people around me just looked at me like, what the, you know? And it was, I was like, oh, such, I've met him a couple of times. He was such a really generous guy. Such a great, I, I can't sing his praises enough. He was so sweet. He was so generous with his time. He was such a, a, a brilliant guy, such a humanitarian. You know, he, he worked, he coached kids, basketball, baseball. He did all sorts of art projects for, for the school districts. He did stuff for the town, just a great guy overall. And I just want to recognize him and his passing because man, he is one of the architects of Marvel comics. So, right. you know, you can't, so, you know, it's like, it's, it's, he had a great life, you know? It's, it's sad. a great life. At the same time, dude is 93, died of natural causes. Yeah. I can't think of a better yeah. way for a guy like that to no, go. Right. I don't want to read that he died of exactly. COVID or some horrifying no, cancer no. or something. I, no. Good for you, man. You did it. And you know what? 
he was he was upbeat and cheerful through this whole process. His family posted pictures of him. They would so they would go and they'd stand outside his window and they would they would like you know talk to him outside the outside the house. And so he was staying safe. He was doing what he had to do. It was just you that's know and it was natural causes. Oh, that's good. Yeah, you know, that's great. Yeah, it's, he had a great life, and I'm and I'm happy that I like. I'm happy to have met him the, the brief times that I did. So, you know, it's like, it's like one of those things where you, know, you, you talk about, you talk about your brushes with greatness. That was a brush with greatness for sure. Yeah. You know? Joe Sinna, rest yeah, in power, definitely. buddy, man. That, yeah. Yeah. Always good to talk to you, Frankie. You have a good one. Yep. Yeah. Thanks Great Frank. To you guys, you too. Uh, here's Take a care, hoping guys. you have another yeah. 10 minutes of quiet in that house. Good luck to you, buddy. <laughs> All right. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the phone lines are open. We are going to wrap it up pretty quick here. Uh, let's check in with the chat before uh, we close them down. Um, I, I see that you have posted a, a something contrary to what I posted about Birds of Prey. Yes. Yes, a bad opening weekend. The opening weekend doesn't tell the whole tale. They it more doesn't. than doubled their money. I don't disagree, but they are, it is also considered a box office disappointment. A huge nah. disappointment for them. Anything under nah. $500 million in this market for superheroes. Nah. Yeah. Nah. Thank you for calling THN. Cover to cover. Caller. Who dis? Tweedly deedly deed. Good morning, gents. David Robbins calling. David Robbins, how are you, sir? Good to talk to you. Um, I'm all right, dude. How are you guys doing? We're doing okay. We're kicking Pretty it. Pretty good. Saturday morning, you know. What do you want to rap about? Um, I just got a couple of quick points I want to hit, and then I got an answer for a question of the week for you. Um... So we we're talking about the, the Batman of it all and the, the DC connectivity of it all. Um, the Batman Returns, the tone, you got to remember, they, they had a hard pivot ordered by the studio going into Batman Forever because there were Happy Meal toy deals for Batman Returns, and that movie has the Penguin murdering children. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so, like... I can't really put all the blame on that for Joel Schumacher. They they probably went to him to get that tone in the first place because they needed to make a turn and you know to just change it because their their corporate partnerships were none too pleased. Yeah, and I so, at the same time like the Burton movies, they're not like super adult or anything. They were definitely darker right. in tone, but like everybody took their kids. Everyone took their kids. Yeah. And I can see the studio going like, Ugh, yeah, maybe we should, you know, kitty it up a little bit, cartoon it a little. What? <laughs> you know? I mean, between between the penguin murdering children and the sexual tension of uh, Catwoman and Batman, you know, mistletoe can be deadly if you eat it. Like those scenes do not play for children. No, not at like, all. Not to not mention Pfeiffer is like on all fours, crawling around, right. running her whip between her legs at one point. <laughs> like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so there's that. Um, now, uh, next point. I am a absolute Marvel zombie. That is my world. That is my bread and butter. Um, to my knowledge, while they've had Age of Apocalypse, they've had Heroes Reborn, they've had All New, All Different, they've had Marvel Now. They've never done a hard reset of their continuity. Am I correct in that? Um, they've definitely done retcons, but they okay. haven't d had like. Well, I mean, they've had a. They haven't done like universe shattering. I mean, I guess there was Secret Wars, the Hickman Secret Wars, but well, not just that. They did like I mean, the Heroes Reborn and all that crap. That they've happened. never. Well, I mean, Heroes Reborn was an anomaly, but. They've never but done like a complete reset button, like Crisis on Infinite Earths, if that's what you mean. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, Heroes Reborn, while the Avengers went away, everything else continued on. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay, so so right. that, and, that and is, they you know, will... is, is, is so they'll so make changes that. as they go, like like. <laughs> Saying that Reed, Joe, like, ahead, no Joe. longer addressing the fact that Reed and Ben were World War II veterans, right? <laughs> or that you know Tony was in Vietnam when, uh, yeah, or when the, or uh, the Punisher, he had his accident or whatever. Or the Punisher is a Vietnam vet and way right. too old to be killing people now. <laughs> sure, I mean that stuff gets massaged in comics all the time. Every generation where they launch a new number one, the the backstory gets slightly tweaked, but it's still the same. Cap was in, on ice for 30 years, and now he's been on ice for 50 years. And now he's been on ice for 60 years. It, it changes all the time like that. But overall, the backstory is mostly the same. Yeah. DC, DC has done a bunch of resets where things have changed. They come back, and the characters don't remember things that happened before. Right. Um, you know, they've, they've done Crisis. They've done Flashpoint. They've done uh, uh, New 52. And they've, they've gone with the George Lucas Star Wars approach to it of none of this is canon until I say it is. Yeah. Or all of this is canon until I say it isn't. Well, and Bendis is so, addressing sure. that like right now in the pages of Action Comics. And that last issue we got where they bring clone Superboy, you know, Connell to the, sure. you know, to Superman. And then his son, John, shows up. And then they all go to Smallville, and Ma and Pa are like, who's this? And they're like, oh, I, we didn't know if you would know or not. And Ma Kent hugs Connell, and she goes, oh, my God, Connor, I know you. you know. And Superman is like, how come I don't? <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, like <laughs> these characters are starting it, – it's becoming part of, like, the, the meta – narrative i guess if you will is that these characters are starting to realize that their lives have been rebooted right multiple sure. times <laughs> and, and sure so so doing things like that getting back getting to my point where i'm just setting the backstory on it getting back to that it doesn't bother me that they want to dark fate the the batman movies terminator dark fate them and say forever and batman and robin and the the uh dark knight and all those didn't happen in this continuity and we're going back to just post Batman returns. And this is coming after that. That doesn't bother me because at some point they can say, Oh yeah. Um, Alfred's granddaughter is actually Batgirl and they can bring that in uh, in uh, some way or shape or form. Uh, if they want to, they don't have to, but they have that option. It was just the first fact I could think of. Okay, of fine. Head. I was like, uh, don't tell me you're pro that please. <laughs> like, I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm saying that That's they a- have those two movies worth of story okay. that they can pull elements from if they want to. Believe me, I don't like stupid goon Bane, you know, any more than anybody else. Does. Right. But but we had those things told in a story. We don't necessarily have to say that those things happened and Clooney is a different, you know, Clooney is the, the same Bruce Wayne and Kilmer's the same Bruce Wayne. We don't have to say that. They could absolutely be multiverse. Sure. They don't have to be, but they could be. And you know, I don't disagree, it's, it's, but you also have another Batman movie on top of that that's happening. So what? That's when it starts to yep. get ridiculous. No. So what? Okay. So what? So he, you are an adult he, he, man. <laughs> I know that you are capable capable of compartmentalizing different versions of characters. <laughs> I know it. I've known you for 20 no, years. I I've won't seen do, you it. do it. You can't make me do it. Matt, like Matt, the, 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 the difference between. Don't be so, pre- 
Don't be so protective of, of the rest of the audience thinking that they can't get it. See, I'm that's I think this is part of what's I think me. this is but I think this is your hang up about it. And if they were to just do see, I I went and saw the Joker in the theater. And it was a fine movie. Do I think it's the Joker? No. And would I have been happier if they just put a title card at the beginning that said Elseworlds and we're done? Absolutely. Yeah. I think oh, you would be much happier yes. with this Batman movie, with, with the, the Matt Reeves Matt Batman movie that's coming out, even though it means nothing to 85% of the audience that's seeing it. If they were to put an Elseworlds title card at the start of that movie, yeah. I think all of these problems of yours would go away. And I totally just, 100% you know what? agree. You know what, David, <laughs> just throw a black label logo. No. At the front no, of the movie, no. just to really fuck with him. I don't want a black label logo. Just to really fuck Matt's whole world up. I don't know what up. the black label logo because even means. Else worlds and black label essentially mean the exact same thing. Absolutely they do. Why DC is running away from that label is a conversation for another day. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't appreciate it. Yeah. Whatever. That's that's all I'm going to say about this. The the multiverse can exist. The DC TV universe did it great. They tied everything together with the movies and with everything else. Great. I appreciate it. That's you know I, I can get by get behind this this upcoming Michael Keaton Batman if it happens. What I would love to see is I would love to see a Batman or Batgirl or Batwoman forever and ha- or not forever. Uh, 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 the hell I'm to and, get it. And Robin. Um, yes. Like I, I like whatever it is. I'd like, I'd like to see old man Bruce Wayne as the new coach for whoever the superhero is going to be. Oh, you're talking. You okay. mean uh, of the future Batman? Batman? Uh, <laughs> Batman Beyond yeah. is what you're trying to say. Batman Beyond. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. Why can't we have Why can't we have Michael Keaton being Batman to ter- or being the 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 guy in the chair to ter- to uh, Terry McGinnis and that Terry McGinnis can be male or female because Terry is a non gender name. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that at all. Like, I like this is what this is what just kills me about your argument, Matt. Is that days of like days of future past the movie? Like Marvel has had a multiverse. Oh God, for decades. So Casey and I are rewatching those right now, and, and nobody gives two shits about how it's different. You are wrong. Or feels like it needs to be properly explained. You're hundred percent wrong because Casey or wonders how. No, her, no, 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 no. Her no, head no. is exploding <laughs> while we watch. Okay, yes, but Casey is also not a lifelong comic book reader. <laughs> I know, but she is a member of the public that's going to go to a movie. That's going to Look, go to a movie and ask these questions and come to us and go. Is, Why are comics so dumb? There is nothing confusing about the end of the Days of Future Past movie. They changed the future. The world is different yeah. now. The mm-hmm. end. That's it. I agree. And then they made three more movies the in the past. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah. Like so, so like Marvel has Marvel has always had a multiverse. DC has always had a multiverse. The only difference between the two is that DC embraces the idea that anything can happen. Like there was this, there was this huge push in the, uh, I guess it was the late nineties at DC where, uh, like, and I know that you hate it, but they, they, they had a name for it. They called it hyper time. We don't have to talk about that. Hated it. But the, the thrust <laughs> of the idea was that somewhere out there, all of those stories that you loved when you were a kid still happened. Mm-hmm. Superman and Muppets. I don't understand what is so freaking confusing about that. Superman and the Muppets happened. That is part of the yep. DCU. 
Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> you bet. Somewhere out there, there's a world where Superman met He-Man. Yep, yep. you bet. Superman fought Muhammad Ali. Like, it all happened. <laughs> yeah. Hey, and I think that's so, wonderful. So somewhere out there, there's a world where Gladiator punched the Enterprise. Yeah, that's true. Actually, uh, no, I mean. Hey, and you know what, man? Here's something better for you. Somewhere out there, there's a world where Superman goes swimming <laughs> in a pond on third earth okay time out i wrote that all right this was not yeah but you know what this is not you part of hyper time. The universe <laughs> you put it out into the universe and now it's out there so somewhere out there there's a world where a dangerous third earth bug swims up superman's penis and he's in so much pain that he begs Lionel to cut off his head with his enchanted sword sort of omen. it's out there and then you have the iconic last page of the Lionel holding <laughs> a superman headless headless pants pants <laughs> very much in the style of the cover to crisis on infinite earth number yes. seven david thank you for your call and it's always on, nice got, to be with you i gotta call uh, answer for question of the week oh yeah, yeah 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 hit us oh yeah please yeah. uh so i mean x-men obviously you know uh i think it was john that said that um absolutely the the good answer for that um in one of the last seasons that um buffy did at dark horse they had a whole storyline going where Vampires uh, did the True Blood thing, and, and the supernatural came out of the coffin. Vampires and, and witches and all that stuff was, was out there. And the United States government set up magic and supernatural-based internment. Oh, camps. yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, that was great. And there were, like, demon, demon witch vampire riots in the internment camp. Yeah. Because those, those groups do not get along. And... Like that was, and I don't remember if that story came out just before the the craziness began at the border, or if it was a, a written in response to it. Or I think what? it was. I think it was but before. Like, okay, so like all this stuff going on, like how can we think that this is okay? Right. You know, it's like just because someone's different, be they, you know, skin color or religion, because, you know, I, you know, am a lapsed Jew, but I, you know, that's how I was raised, you know. So, like, you know, the the Germans, the German people, the Jews in, in Germany kept, like, asked to have the concentration camps still remain yeah, as reminders that this should never happen again. Yeah, never again. No, it, it's like we. It, you have to. You have to. You're not a scientist if you're believing this, because yeah. what you have done is you've you've taken a conclusion, and my conclusion is uh, this group of people X are bad. Now, how yeah. do I get from you know the beginning of the equation to that answer that I know to be correct? And that is not how you do science. Yeah. That's not how that works. Like, you start with I'm a theory, a pious, and you see how it I'm bears out. Person. I'm not a pious person at all. Like I don't have a, a lot of, of religion and faith in me and like, but I don't have any like, you know, uh, 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 ill will for anybody who has faith or anybody believes, but the minute your belief is trying to be imposed upon or affects me, that's when I have a problem with it. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And, and that's what a lot of our problems stem from is that you can't have your belief, but you're trying to impose your belief on other people. Yep. And that's, that's not like the world that we live in. And that's, and yes, yes. The country was, was ironically, that's the same complaint. 
Joe, what were you saying? Ironically, that's the same complaint that uh, the right wing has about people that they don't agree with. They're right. worried that they're going to get their their lives overwritten <laughs> yeah. uh, by like the the the, the sinister gaze right. <laughs> out there. But it, it goes like, back on. to the same thing we were talking about. The Jews will not replace us. You know, it's that same shit. It's all the same shit. And to bring it back yeah. to comics, I'm sorry, but if you are reading, if you've been paying any attention to any comic books, any superhero books from yeah. the big two since they started, you cannot fundamentally believe that they're not political, they're not liberal, and they're not trying to espouse that we should all fucking get along. <laughs> you can't. I don't know how you get to that place where you go, no, it's not like that. <laughs> the, the cover... The cover of the first appearance of Captain America has the character literally punching Hitler in the face. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there it is. And, and that it's was not before because before America even entered the war. Right. And it's not because Captain America didn't agree with, you know, their idea of capitalism. No, it's because he was bad. He was killing fucking Jews, dude. You know, yeah. <laughs> like figure it out. Come on. Art, art, music, movies, uh, television, literature, and comics are how we move the culture forward. Yes. And what you what you are, are hearing now well is a very scared group of people that realize that their dumb, old, racist ideas are dying. And they're terrified. Yeah. They're terrified. Yeah. And that's why they're screaming and yelling. When you know everything, you're on the right side. When you know what you believe is okay, you don't have to scream and yell about it. You just don't. Because you know yeah. we're going to be okay. And that side is screaming because they're dying and going away. And I, frankly, I can't fucking wait. Because I'm sick of yelling about this shit. It's ridiculous. <laughs> David, thank Agreed. you for your call, man. Good to talk to you. That was cathartic. Good, good, to, you too. good to talk to you guys, too. I'm going to work now. All right, buddy. All we'll right, talk buddy. To you soon. Have a good right, one. Take care. Shutting the phone lines down so we can talk about our picks. All right. Well, let's get to the chat real quick. John Tverdick, who I know is still watching because he just commented, who submitted the question of the week, but is too much of a coward to actually call in with his answer. <laughs> uh, John says his answer, uh, while I'm not the world's biggest Star Trek fan, the real world context in which the original show debuted makes its takes on imperialism, manifest destiny. Oh, yeah. The subjugation of indigenous peoples and overall tackling of race relations, incredibly subversive and powerful. Uh, I have to imagine it had a massive effect on the youth at the time. He just replied to what I said. Uh, it also has the distinction of showing the first interracial kiss on television. Yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Star Trek. Absolutely. And there, back then, people wrote, like, this is some of the most subversive, like, little terrible TV television. We can't believe it was happening. Like, it's the future, fuckers. Guess what? We yeah. got over your bullshit. And we all just work together. And sometimes we kiss. I know it's horrifying. <laughs> uh, like, I want to, like, were they as mad when he was getting busy with the green ladies as they no. were when he kissed Uhura? No, because green ladies are green ladies, man. Everybody wants to get Well, and they're clearly ladies. white under that makeup. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, Harvey Locust said, uh, in God Loves, Man Kills, uh, Kitty is talking to uh, Stevie, who was a, a, a regular Chris Claremont supporting character in the X-Men. Uh, talking about somebody calling her a mutie and Stevie, who is black says they're just words. They're only world words, child. And Kitty replies, 
suppose he called me an N-word lover, Stevie. Would you be so damn tolerant then? Yeah, she full on uh, Except Claremont does not pull any punches and he uses the full word, um, which, you know, probably would not fly today. But I, I think it makes a pretty damning point. It gets the point across. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone agrees that you need a nap. <laughs> I've had way too much coffee. So we did get two voicemails. All right. Our first voicemail comes from the one, the only Black Scorpion. No, he's the three. Hey, he's nerd. the three. How's it going? This is Black Scorpion number three. Um, I wanted to call, first of all, because I chuckled the other day when you were giving a review of an undersea adventure and uh, noticed not being able to overlook the fact that there are chairs and stairs and underwater scenes. Weird how that stuff sticks with you, huh? Uh, so welcome to my, my uh, mental psyche. Uh, so the answer for today is March, um, and I just want to take the opportunity to tell everybody who hasn't read it to read it. Um, it's incredible. It's, it's, it's one thing to read of histories in the book, and then it's another thing to see just how well March lays out um, our civil rights history in the United States. Uh, um, and it shows a nice transgenerational sort of narrative uh, um, in a way that's just so good and intimate and, and like there are very vivid scenes that I don't want to blow for you because it's, it's, it's better to just see how things come out. Uh, um, uh, uh, and I love it. Anyway, I hope you're all well. The The world is horrible. Uh, um, and uh, uh, wrestling is getting worse by the day with news. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm glad I get to hear you nerds uh, rant about comics for a while. Not that the comics business is being any better. Ah! Okay, <laughs> bye. See you well. Yeah, as bad as the news <laughs> has been in comics lately, and I'm not trying to, like, frame anything and say, like, oh, man, they, that's bad, but this is really bad. Wrestling, if you just want to go into the sheer weight of accounts of things that have come out with wrestlers assaulting women, oh, my God, the floodgates are open, and it is bad, 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 <laughs> really bad. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, horrifying shit. Be thankful that we're stuck with these perverts in comics because it could be way worse, okay? All right, Jason Sachs, he didn't get through, but he left us a message. Hey, guys, it's Jason Sachs. Didn't get through on the lines earlier, so if I just leave a voicemail. So um, I got an interesting story about uh, the issue of civil rights in comics. Um, so when I was in elementary school, uh, I went to, I lived in an area called Rosedale, Queens, New York. Um, and in Rosedale, uh, without my being aware of it, um, there was a huge amount of uh, racial tension in the area. In fact, um, there was a home that was firebombed on New Year's Eve 1975 from an African-American family who had moved into my neighborhood. Um, it's like the next area of the neighborhood over from me, so I was never directly aware of it. But, um, you know, the neighborhood was mostly like Jewish, Italian, and I guess some Irish kids and um, families, and um, they resented this black family moving into town. Um, In fact, I remember distinctly hearing my dad have conversations with the neighbors with their concerns about, um, you know, these people moving into the neighborhood. My dad was never racist, but he um, had a lot of, he had his ear chewed a lot by people in the um, neighborhood. So um, there's a whole story behind that. I have I've uh, tried to uh, start a couple novels based on it because it's just such an interesting time period. But this was actually written about in a mainstream Marvel comic. Uh, 
Power Man number 32 from 1977 no um, by Don McGregor and Frank Robbins actually has the story of the family whose house was firebombed. Um, it's a really powerful story, sad, uh, interesting, um, depressing, and um, really gorgeously done. So um, just really enjoyed it, but... Um, Jason, thank you for the call. Yeah. We make fun of that old Power Man and Iron Fist run because it, it was white guys riding a black guy, making him sound pretty ridiculous as far as street vernacular. But, well, and this was even before that. This was just Power Man, so that would have been 70s. Yeah, but they did go after like some real world racially driven stories that at the time you probably wouldn't do in a Captain America book. You know what I mean? Like, or a Spider-Man book. It, later on in the eighties, Spider-Man started to touch on some more, you know, real world crime shit. But like, yeah, Don McGregor was really important and wrote some amazing stuff, not just there, but also in the pages of his black Panther that we talked about before as well. But I did not know that was a true story and it was where Jason grew up. That's nuts. Yeah, that's super interesting. That's crazy. Good answers from everybody this week. Well, so let's get yeah. into our answers. Let's talk about it. I already gave mine. X-Men, God Loves, Man Kills. And of course, March, if you have not read it. My God. Yeah, I mean, so so March March is, uh, is, a, is a modern favorite, but it's really more of a biography. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, which, again, not to take away from it at all, but... Um, it's really about the life of, of John Lewis as a civil rights activist. Uh, but if I'm going with like my earliest experience with comics dealing with uh, racial issues and civil rights, uh, it's got to be Green Arrow number 76 from 1970, uh, which came out before I was born. But I read about it in a book called The Comic Book Heroes, which was this um it came out in 1985. It was this history of comics from the silver age to the present. Um, it was co-written by Will Jacobs and Gerard Jones, who would later be revealed to be a pederast. We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. That, which uh, is too bad. Cause the guy was a great like comic historian yeah. writer. <laughs> His books so yeah, really this was, good. this was kind of like an insider's perspective on the history of comics. Uh, and it touched on all of these huge moments in comics history and they did a, a, a big chunk on this Green Lantern run by Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams. I've, I had forgotten that this was the first issue of that run where, you know, they're on Earth and they get confronted. Green Lantern gets confronted by a black man, an elderly black man, about the disproportionate way in which their community is being served by superheroes and it's it's such a parallel to what our world is going through today and it's just it's such a smart insightful examination of, about how superheroes have had kind of failed the black community yeah it just came up uh, it came up again in uh that marvel's snapshot book i reviewed uh this week on the main show yeah, where the captain america one the the main character is like yep the Avengers rebuilt the city after the mad bomb and things got back to normal, except for in the South Bronx where we never saw them again. Yeah. 
it's such an effective way to put a spotlight on that issue for a fan like me, you know, who is so used to like looking up at these guys as, as paragons, but then you have to stop and think green lantern is a fucking cop, a space cop. Yeah. Yeah. He's a dude, dude's a space pig. <laughs> and so like at the end, like at the end of the issue, the guardians are like, Hey man, you got to go. We got stuff going on. You got to go. And Green Arrow is like, fuck that. We need to stay here and address what's going on on our planet. You can't call yourself a hero when you're ignoring your own world. You're just dancing. at, You're dancing. Uh, you're a puppet dancing on the strings of the Guardians. So don't worry about the galaxy. You know, Martin Luther King just got assassinated. Right. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy just got assassinated. Uh, there's a, a green arrow says uh, something is wrong. Something is killing us all. Some hideous moral cancer is rotting our very souls. And it like, it's such an impactful thing to hear out of the mouths of people that I'm used to seeing shoot arrows at giant alien starfish. Right. Well, it's also, that's like we talked about Denny O'Neill after his passing, but just for guys like Denny O'Neill at that time, you know, and Chris Claremont as well. I already talked about God loves man kills. I'm not going to go into it again, but for them to take their hero, our heroes and show us, Oh shit, they might be a little fallible. They weren't thinking about this. They didn't notice right. this. They're just as guilty as you, as me, as our police, as our president. And we're going to examine that. That makes them so much braver. And so much cooler that they're also fallible and they, and they need to learn this lesson too. That is amazing. And that is like, that is a power that you, you can't get across. I think in, you know, you can, obviously you can in movies and TV shows and whatnot, but when you have like someone who is a goddamn superhero that shoots arrows at starfish aliens, learning this lesson at that's some next level shit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Like. And I'm not saying like, obviously comics get it wrong just as often as they get it right. Sure. And they might spend a year addressing this kind of problem just for, just for Green Lantern to go back to his solo book afterwards and, and fight Gorilla Grodd or whatever the hell, you know? So like, but that doesn't make that story any less important. It is important that they address it. And when they do it well, it really leaves an impact. Like I know that I've read Superman stories where it's pointed out, you know what? Maybe Superman doesn't visit Suicide Slum as often as he maybe should. Well, I mean, it is called Suicide Slum. That place sounds awful. <laughs> sure, you know. Uh, but like, Suicide like Slum acres. is obviously such a an allegory for some place like Harlem or the or the Bronx or whatever. Right. They just need to give it a good suburb name, like Sudden Valley. <laughs> Sudden Valley. <laughs> that was from Arrested Development. Sudden Valley. There you Sudden go. Sudden Valley sounds like <laughs> something could suddenly happen. <laughs> New Slumsington. <laughs> so just one last quick thought is, is that there are other examples, more recent examples that I maybe like more than that. But that was the first time as a kid that I ever saw comics being used in that way. And so that's why it had such an effect on me. It's where all this liberal bullshit started. It was all downhill yeah. from there. And now yeah, I can't exactly. read Captain Confederacy. Ah, fuck these people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs>
<laughs> All right, enough of this. I'm sick of this serious bullshit. Can we get back to the real bullshit that doesn't mean anything? Like our new question of the week. Set it up, Joe Patrick. This week's question came from the fevered mind of Matt Baum, inspired by the new Warhammer news. What is your favorite bit of lore? Of course, lore means fictional history, world facts, etc. Some of it is largely curated by pros and fans, uh, and and might you might have to like go to Wikipedia to figure out some of it. Oh yeah. Uh, so we we this can be anything from the broad like I just love the entire history of the Star Trek universe. Sure. Or you can get like super focused about a specific piece of lore within a story like. I love the fact, I love the whole history of Hogwarts and the Harry Potter universe sure. and all the blah, 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 blah. Yeah, as broad scope or as narrow scope as you like, I'm going to take myself right out of it because I've already gushed about Warhammer and that is my favorite lore out there. So that's so what yeah, your favorite Your mind. favorite piece of fictional lore. Well, I mean, it's all fictional lore. Give me a break. Well, I mean, <laughs> in the real world, we just call it history. I suppose. Thanks to everybody that wrote in, that called in, that chatted with us, that sent us MP3s, that left us voicemails. You can do so at 402-819-4894. Also, be sure to check out our Patreon. We have part two of our chronological rewatch of the X-Men movies that I am subjecting my wife to. Speaking of which, last night we watched X-Men Dark Phoenix. That movie was bad. But that's not the one you're reviewing <laughs> because you're reviewing. doing order. Next one we're doing is Days of the Future Past. And this is the one that blew Casey's head straight off because she's like, Which, wait a minute. So we're going to meet Jean and stuff, but she's not Famke Jansen? Like, nah, she couldn't be. Her age would be totally screwed up if that were the case. Well, but I mean, Famke Jansen's in it at the end. Yes, but how is that possible if Jean is the age that she is in Dark Phoenix, which takes place... I think it starts in the late 80s and she's I think the like scene the scene at the 80s? end of Days of Future Past is closer to the present day X-Men movies. I think so. I think they get away with Hugh from Jackman. It. I think they get away from that. And thank you to all our patrons for supporting us. If you want to do so, go to Patreon backslash two headed nerd. Any donation gets you access to the stuff and it keeps the show on the air and we appreciate it so much. Thanks guys. This is a two headed nerd signing off. <laughs>